Yeah, how many believe the Lord's coming back on Sunday? Amen. Believe that. Turn the notes and say you better get ready. All right, you better get ready. I believe the Lord's coming back. How many of you believe that tonight? How many of you ready for Him tonight? Amen. Well, it's time to get ready. Let me tell you a story. Turn the notes and say this is a true story. I gotta tell you that because it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Let me tell you a true story. Uh, years ago, the federal government set out a questionnaire. Turn you out and say this is a true story. There were ten questions on the questionnaire that were sent to 5,000 people. One question on the survey was this. Turn you out and say this is a true story. One of the questions was how do you sit the back of Our tax dollars at work. Can I hear witnesses? 4,999 families sit back to work today and said, we sit the back of with our back to the wall facing the bus. One family from Tennessee sent their back and said, we sit the back of with our back to the faucet facing the wall. It blew the Congress up. Turn around and said, this is a pretty story. They flipped this congressman from D.C. down to the mountains of Tennessee. They rented a car to run out of the family farm and locked on the door. The farmer came to the door and said, Can I help you, gentlemen? Yeah, we're good congressmen from Washington. And you're the only family in America that was surveyed that sits in the bathtub and you're back to the faucet facing the wall. And we don't know why. The farmer got a puzzled look on his face and said, Well, that's simple. We lost the blood.
and so and so spit on them, so and so laughed at them. Well, you know, build a bridge and get over there and let's get on with the program. Amen. Verse 7, so that you and the temple were resentful for all that believe in Macedonia and the For when you shouted out the word of the Lord only, it's a sounding board, it echoes. That's really what the word is, it echoes. Not only in Macedonia and the but also in every place. Your faith to God is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. In other words, Paul said, everywhere I go, somebody's talking about your church. The worst thing that could ever be said about your church is nothing. They'll be mad for outside, amen? For they themselves go to what manner of enemy we have in you. Now watch this. I turn to God from idols to serve the living of God and away from his son from heaven to the raising of the day of Jesus, which delivered us in the last of time. And that's the same thing. The Apostle Paul was on a missionary journey in the second one with uh, this man of the name of uh, a science. They, they just gone through Philippi and had that great earthquake at the day, had that great revival in Philippi. You just saw that this person had the horse still half rock. They made it all the time. And he moved over to Thessalonica and it was, as it was the custom of the Apostle Paul. He would go to the synagogue and he would reason with the people. He would share the gospel. He would go about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is the gospel, according to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And the Bible says he would talk about this new Lord, this new Savior. And so, as he had been there for several weeks, reading with him, he was saying to the Lord in Jason, there was some folks that got saved and they got happy. I like to be around that happy, happy bunch. Don't you know this? I like to hear that folks that are saved and enjoy it. And by the way, some of you are saved, but I know it's like you're saved. Say amen. They're enjoying it. Anybody say amen. And so we find that some folks got saved. They got Christ. Well, some folks, they knew the truth, but they rejected it and they were saved. And then some folks just got blown mad because they thought and believed that Caesar was born. And so we had some folks that were glad, some folks were sad, some folks were mad. That happened just about the Syrian gospel. One of those three responses. Well, these guys got mad, were so disgruntled with Paul, they were really tempted. He made them throw four old cases out the street and go, beat him up, so let Paul stay with him. But Paul got out and come to the darkness, went down to a place called Marine. Now, Marine were a little more civil. The Bible says they searched the scriptures to see if they saved good son. But the people from Thessalonica came down to Berea to find Paul to kill him. Well, we got out there and went to Athens, and we had that great sermon, you know, he preached about the unknown God of the Athenians. Now, he's a great call about Acts 17. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Bishop, the Thessalonica were looking for the way, the Bereans were looking for the truth, and the Athenians were looking for the life. In other words, Jesus is for everybody, everywhere. And so they had this great revival, had this adversity, and this church song. And now Paul was riding back to this church one year later, and goes again, Paul says, there's nowhere I can go, but we'll start talking about the power of God that's losing in Thessalonica. I was passing one day, and we had our 100th anniversary. How about a good split church from that so much? Well, I'll be telling you, we didn't pray, we didn't make we didn't get the same. Well, here's why Paul didn't get the same. She sounds like a hood out of a post-fashion bread. Wait, that's why she didn't get the same. And so, folks get mad about all that, but we, we made it, you know, for the 
Now the word turn there is very interesting because the word turn means two things. It means first of all there is a deliberate turn. You don't get saved on accident. You come to God as He convicts you and draws you to Himself. And there's a deliberate confession of sin and turning to God from your sin. Can I hear that anyway? You didn't accidentally get saved. The Holy Spirit of God was bigger than that. You came to a place of brokenness. You came to a place where you said, God, I'm sick of the way I live. I'm tired of running the show. You're right. I'm wrong. And I'm coming to you. Come on, man. But also, it's a decisive thing. When people, when people get saved, other people don't. Hey, Chris. And so you kind of tell me, you say, what I need to do is get out this community and ask people to be saved. I didn't get some of these ladies by the side, but a uh, man, I told you, your husband, Kurt, and I, and called and saw y'all yesterday. I just want to know, is he, is he, is he, he smiling? Is he a Christian at home? Is he like Jesus at home? I wonder how many times I say, he's so much like Jesus, it's scary. But how many if a God up to him, he's not like the Lord at all. You see, there's a, there's a decisive term. People know who they belong to. Hey, I, I believe I'm a, I, I believe I'm part of the rapture generation. I believe I'm going to go up to be the Lord in the rapture. But if I die before the Lord comes back and they walk off out of the upper of the church building like this, I want my wife and kids to stand around my coffin and say, I believe. Bill would say, I believe that would say, I, I want my wife and my kids to say, this man right here was born in his soul house. I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best of changes, but I'm not working. And I really enjoy going out to 
participating in one of the ball games every year. We just went aside in Kenya, our second basement, for $81 million. Can anybody work that into a budget? Mother Robo got a contract of $65 million. Now I'm asking, why would a coach ever have to pull away those guys to do anything? They're making 81 million, 65 million, but people clamor for their all the right just want to be satisfied and be around. They got all these endorsements, they're making millions of dollars besides their, 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 their contract for their, for their game. Why is it, why in the name of heaven would a coach ever have to sit this down and say, come on now, you need to have the game, come on, you need to start playing good. But you know what I don't understand more than that? A pastor having to spend 10 seconds in the pulpit, begging and pleading with God's so, God's so called God's people to be in church and read their Bible and pray and win souls and live for Jesus. There's a cross all the way up over this. To serve. Now, people are going to get real quick. Friday night, you said, This is going to be real hard on me. It's going to be hard on me. The word serve, Jim, is not how we think of it. It's the word slave. I can serve your pastor by washing his truck, mowing his lawn, picking up his clean. I can serve it by bringing him a meal. I can serve it by polishing his shoes. But that's not being a slave. I do that what I want to do is convince him for me. I've got, I've got a little extra money in the bank to help you out. But we have a slave that's 24 7. Whatever I'm called to do, I do it. 3 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday morning, does anybody get the picture done? It's not just a Sunday morning deal, but we pile in here and we sing hallelujah, praise God, doing it. First of all, you want them all the way to church. You see what the general the parking lot like, say, go to the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We call it that nonsense. I'm going to call that talking filth in the lobby room, and then come and sing in the youth choir. Did anybody listen to what I'm saying? I'm talking about being a slave. Whatever he calls us to do, whatever he asks us to do, whatever he desires us to do, we're his, even if it costs us our life. I was in San Bruno in the Western Kingdom. Just two years ago, Al Shabazz came out of Somalia. And where I, where I preached, I was in the tree. We called the tree church. They don't have a building that's about 100 believers together there every Sunday morning. And the Al Shabazz came in and gunned out a living being in cold blood. The next Sunday, that church was still there. They said, Why don't we need to take a few weeks off? You know, we don't want to do this out of church. After we left, they came back and killed two little children in cold blood. Shot the pastor's mom, thank God she did. You know what? The Sunday I got there, those men with their burdens on their knees, with their hands raised, praising God, asking God, what do you want us to do now, Lord? We'll do anything. Please don't 
said, yeah, I really would like it. And she said, no, you don't really, you really don't want that. We got to the hotel. I said, I don't know, I don't know what's on that plate. She said, I'll tell you, there's no more. I said, I don't know. So she gave it to me. It was a financial statement of that church. I just went there, you know, for a while. We had about 30 people saved. I had a good spirit, I thought, in church. And uh, I looked at that financial statement. I had $601,000 in the money, brother Jim. And CDs going in. You don't want the federal government to start taxing churches because of non like that. Well, I'm not going to get on the diet. This ain't the state of the law. It's a sitting hand. I find the church one time and my finance committee better go to me with those ways that I they said, listen, this is all we had at the end of the month last month. Doesn't that bother you? I said, no, I didn't. I mean, it better was better than Walmart. Come on, amen.